Good evening, and welcome to New Year's Eve, the end of 2023. Now, I know that this could be a little bit controversial, but I really, really like New Year's resolutions. I love New Year's. There's something exciting about the fact that something new is starting. There is something fresh. There's that energy of something new. And so I did something dangerous in the AM service, and I'm going to do something dangerous in the PM service. I'm going to share one of my New Year's resolutions with you. In 2024, I am going to learn to dive. Not scuba diving, because, you know, we're in the middle of the desert, and that's way out of my comfort zone. No, no, I want to learn to dive into a pool. Maybe not gracefully, but at least not painfully. And this is actually a big thing for me, because every single time that I have tried, I have failed in a big way. I remember when I was at a holiday camp in high school, it was the camp where some of the campers who were younger than me taught me how to do a front flip on the trampoline. So this was a camp where I was feeling acrobatic. And then we went to the local pool and they had diving platforms. You know, you had the edge of the pool and the diving block and then the diving platform and then the really tall one that they wouldn't let us on. But everybody was going from the diving platform. And then some of the kids who had taught me to do a front flip said, you could do it. I'm like, no, 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 I can't dive. And they're like, it's just like doing a front flip on the trampoline. You'll be fine. So I gave in to peer pressure to those who are younger than me. And I got up on the diving platform. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I'm feeling good. And I got to the end and went, all right, just got to throw myself forward, throw myself forward. And so I jumped and I threw myself forward and a little voice inside my head said, you don't know how to dive. And all of a sudden, my body stopped rotating in the air. I did the biggest belly flop that you would ever see. It was painful. Now, I didn't let that stop me. I tried it other times. I have tried multiple times throughout the years to dive, and every time I have that voice inside my head that says, you don't know how to dive, and every time my body stops rotating at just the right place, that I belly flop. And so I've decided I'm not going to let that voice define me anymore. 2024 is going to be the year of the diver. See, I love New Year's. I love the idea of this line in the sand and the fact that you can do something different. You can be different. You can change. But what I want to talk about tonight is not a self-help message. I don't want to give you 10 steps to make a New Year's resolution that lasts. Instead, I want to unpack a theme of Scripture that is so close to my heart. This is a theme of Scripture that resonates deeply within me because it's something that God has spoken clearly and deeply into my life. I want to unpack the idea and the theme of Scripture that God loves us too much to leave us where we were And instead, he wants to move us forward to what he has for us. God wants to redeem us. He wants to restore us. He wants to renew us. He wants to make us new and fresh. This is one of those beautiful themes of scripture that it it really resonates deeply within me. It's one of those important ones. And I want to do it with one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament. And it's a story of Jacob wrestling with God. 
But before that, I want to just kind of introduce a little bit of who Jacob is. See, Jacob's one of the patriarchs of Genesis. He is one of the big characters of a big book. His story goes from about Genesis chapter 26 to about 35-ish. He's the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac and Rebekah, and he is a twin. His brother is Esau, and they had the biggest sibling rivalry that you would ever see. The key idea that we need to understand about Jacob, though, is Jacob has a past. See, Jacob has this past that defines him, that affects who he is, it affects his identity, it affects everything about him. And this past that he carries, that he holds onto, that he can't get out of, it's all defined by his name. See, whenever you come across a name in the Bible, it wasn't just chosen because somebody thought, oh, that sounds like a pretty name. Now, the names in the Bible have meaning. And the name Jacob means grasps the heel. And that's because when Jacob was born, he was a twin, as I said. Esau was born first, and Jacob was born grabbing on to Esau's heel. He was trying to pull his brother back so that he could come out first. This, as I said, is sibling rivalry like you would not believe. But not only does, is it like his, the name Jacob just describing the way that Jacob was born, grasping the heel is actually a Hebrew idiom. It's a saying, and it means deceiver. Can you just imagine? You are a new parent. You are holding your beautiful child in your arms. You are looking into their eyes thinking, you are so beautiful. I'm going to name you liar. I'm going to name you untrustworthy. I'm going to call you deceiver. It seems really absurd, doesn't it? And yet the names that we give people, the things that we speak over people matter because people internalise that. And Jacob internalised this name of deceiver and so throughout his entire life, his life is characterised by deception. So he grows up, he's got this sibling rivalry with Esau and eventually he decides to trick his brother into giving him his birthright. And so he takes that. And then he goes and he tricks his father into giving him the blessing that was meant for the eldest son. Now Esau is so mad at this that he is ready to kill his brother. And so Jacob runs away. He tries to get as far away as possible and instead he just ends up continuing the same cycle. So he goes and stays with his uncle. He meets a pretty girl and he works seven years for her hand in marriage, only to be deceived by the uncle. He marries the other sister. So he works seven years more so he can marry the sister he wants. This, like, the book of Genesis is a soap opera. It is so full of family drama and all these other things going on. But no matter where Jacob goes, no matter what he does, his life is characterized by deception. He is either the deceiver or he is being deceived. He is trapped in this cycle. Even when he ran away, he is still trapped. He is still caught in this cycle. He is still caught in these things that are going on and these things that are happening. And it defined him in such a way that he could not escape it. And the thing that we need to realize as well 
is we have a past as well. See, we all have things that define us. We all have things and situations in our life that hold us, that bind us, that we want to put down, but we just can't seem to. Maybe it is a mistake or a failure that you've made and you just can't quite forgive yourself for it. You can't put it down, so you keep carrying it around with you and you let it define you. Or maybe it is this pattern of behaviour, something that you just keep doing again and again and again. I can't tell you the number of times as I've been talking to my kids that I've opened my mouth and my mother's voice has come out. I've gone, where did that come from? Or maybe maybe your past is you or someone that you care about was hurt by a person or an organisation and you hold a grudge and you don't want to let go of that grudge and so you just hold on to it and it turns into anger and resentment and hurt. And you just keep carrying it and after a while you start to be defined by it. Or maybe your past is those names, those lies, those beliefs that others or yourself have actually put on you. You know, lies like unreliable, dumb, disorganised, useless whenever a decision needs to be made. Broken. Because we all carry these lies and these beliefs that we hold on to, that we can't seem to put down. And I don't know what your past is. What I do know is that we all carry a past of some sort. We all carry something with us, something that defines us, something that we want to put down, that we want to change, that we want to get rid of. That is why we do New Year's resolutions. We want to get rid of these things, and yet... So often they fail. So often it doesn't work getting rid of it. And this is what I love about Scripture because all throughout Scripture we see this image of a God who is actively working inside people's lives. We see a God who is actively working not with perfect people but with broken and hurting people. And he is working in their lives to redeem them to restore them, to renew them, to make them new. Because God wants to redeem us. That includes our failures and our mistakes. God wants to take those lies and he wants to replace them with truths. He wants to do these things because he cares about us. Because he loves us too much to leave us where we were. And he wants us to move forward to somewhere better. But how do we do this? Like, if we've all got this past, how do we actually move past this past? Because no matter how many times we try, we seem to just keep going back into the same cycle and same circles. And so I want to look at this story from Genesis 32. But before we do this, so Jacob has been living with his uncle. He has Things are starting to turn sour with his uncle. He, things are not looking good. And so God has actually said to him, I want you to go back to the land of your father. I want you to go back to where you were born. I know you're going to have to face your brother. I know you think he wants to kill you, but it's going to be okay. And so then Genesis 32 verses 22 to 24 say, 
That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female servants, his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. You know, I look at this passage and I see this and I think this is somebody who is stressed. This is somebody who is just overwhelmed and is needing a little bit of quiet time, who's needing to get rid of any distractions. And I can just imagine that Jacob, he's sent everybody across and he's crying out in that space, God, what am I meant to do about my brother Esau? I'm going I'm to see him tomorrow and I'm worried and I'm scared and I'm all this thing. And I know that the passage says that he wrestles with a man, but later on we see that he's actually wrestled with God and man. So this is, this is an angel. This is a representative of God. This is someone who God has sent into this situation. And the lesson that we learn here with this is if we want to deal with our pasts, we have to choose to wrestle with God. We have to choose to enter into a process with God where we actually want to deal with what is holding us and what is binding us. We want, need to bring our stress, our pain, our vulnerability to God and just offer it up to him. And I know that this might surprise you all a little bit. I am not an expert in wrestling. I know that that is probably shocking. I look like I am. To be honest, if anybody wrestles me, I'm going to last maybe two seconds and then I'm going to be pinned in a very bad way. But even though I'm not aware of how wrestling really works, there are a couple of things I know. The first thing I know about wrestling is you cannot wrestle if you keep running around, if you keep running away. To actually choose to wrestle with someone means you actually have to stop and you have to face the other person. You have to choose to engage with them in the process. And that's the same here. See, Jacob has tried to run before. He ran and he just got caught in the same cycle before. We try and run and we get caught up in the same cycle. We get caught up in the same things again and again. We have to make a decision. Even though this is going to hurt, even though this is going to be hard, even though this is going to be long and painful and difficult, I am going to enter into this process. And the other thing that I know about wrestling, wrestling is not COVID safe. You cannot wrestle at 1.5 metres. It doesn't work. If you want to wrestle with someone, if you want to engage in something, you actually have to get up close and personal with someone. You have to enter their proximity. In fact, wrestling requires vulnerability because if you want to wrestle with someone, you actually have to get close enough to them that they can attack you in return. You have to enter into where they can reach you, and so it requires Vulnerability. It requires proximity. You have to get up close and personal. And so Jacob, he sent everybody else away. He wanted to be free of the distractions of everybody else because he wanted to enter into this process. He needed to spend time crying out to God, to being vulnerable before God, not having a mask on, not having any of the things that were 
would normally be affecting him. Not having people running up to him going, hey, what do you want done about these sheep? He needed to be away from it all, away from the distractions. So he could actually just pour out his heart to God and go, God, what am I meant to do with this? How is this meant to work? What does this mean? This is Jacob inviting God in. This is Jacob asking God for help. And this is why I say up there we choose to wrestle with God because, to be honest, if you choose to wrestle against God, it's going to be over even quicker than if I wrestle with someone. God is so much more powerful than us, and yet he chooses to enter into this process with us. He's not fighting against us. He is entering this process with us because God wants to redeem us. God wants to make us new. God wants to renew us and refresh us. If we're able to be vulnerable, if we're able to enter that proximity with him. And you know, that means actually inviting his spirit in to go, hey God, what does your spirit say about this situation? What What are you wanting to tell us? And sometimes that means getting some hard truths. Sometimes that means hearing some things that you really don't want to hear. And the other thing about wrestling, it's not something that happens quickly. Unless you're wrestling me. Wrestling is a process. It's not a quick prayer and then you're done. This is actually choosing to come back time and time again and engage with God in a process. But verse 25 says, When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. You know, this is one of those really fascinating ideas. He's wrestling with God and it says he could not overpower him. But again, this comes back to that idea that we wrestle with God, not against him. But in this part of the story, Jacob has not received his blessing yet. Jacob hasn't got his prize and he has been injured because wrestling is tiring. Wrestling takes your energy and it is dangerous. It is so easy to get injured when you wrestle. Just ask anyone who's led a youth camp of boys. Wrestling causes injuries. But here, when we see that Jacob, even before he gets his blessing, gets an injury, there's an important lesson in there for us. We are told through this, don't tap out too early. See, just think about this for a moment. Jacob, his hip is wrenched. It is like, I feel like that would sort of be like the dislocated, strained hip. And he continues to wrestle. Every time he moves, it is going to be shooting pain throughout his body. Every time he rolls onto that hip, He's going to be crying out in pain and it's going to be bad and yet he holds on. He does not give up. And this is the point that I really struggle with because I don't like pain. I don't like physical pain. I don't like emotional pain. I don't like other people's pain. It makes me feel gross. And yet when I've had to enter into this whole wrestling with God at times, there are these moments that I say to God, God, can we not deal with that? You know, that, that's, that bit's too painful. I don't want to deal with that. I'm not ready to deal with that. Can we just leave that bit alone? Can we just focus on this stuff over here? It's like saying to the doctor, hey, can you just 
leave the broken arm. I just need a couple of band-aids for my knee. Because you don't want any pain. And yet God is good. God knows what we need. God is in control and he knows that sometimes in order for healing to occur, sometimes in order for something to be fixed, there has to be a little bit of pain. When a doctor sets an arm that's broken, there is pain. When somebody pulls a splinter that is under the skin out, there is pain as it tears on its way out. When somebody undergoes cancer treatment, there is pain as poison is pumped around the whole body for the purpose of healing. When we actually choose to deal with our past, that thing that holds us and binds us, there is going to be pain. And so the lesson that we learn from Jacob here Don't tap out, even though there might be pain, even though it might be so tempting, don't tap out early because there is hope coming. There is a blessing coming. Verses 26 to 30 say, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. Here is the final part of the story. Here we see that if you hold on for long enough, if you keep holding on, even through the pain, even through everything going on, there is a promise from God. A new day will dawn. See, Jacob had chosen to stop running. He had chosen to actually face his past. He has chosen to enter into a process of wrestling with God, and then he has held on through pain, through injury, through everything that is happening. And he receives the blessing. He receives what he wants. It's after that he goes through this whole process that he gets the blessing from God. He is given a new name. No longer is he going to be known as deceiver. No longer is that going to be what defines and identifies his life. Instead, God has redeemed it. All that Jacob has been through, all the pain, all the trauma, all the deceptions, all the family drama and hurt, God has redeemed it all. God has given him a new identity and something new to define him. Israel. A name that means wrestled with God and man and has overcome A name that defines this moment in his life where he actually wrestles with his past. It defines this moment in his life. This is a name that would later be given to a nation that we follow throughout all of Scripture. A name that describes that nation so beautifully. Wrestles with God. 
Because when you read the Bible, that is what Israel does time and time again. They enter into this process of wrestling with God, of engaging with God in what is happening. This is a name that sets him free from all the ways that he had been defined in the past. He is made new. And this is the promise that we can receive as well. God redeems our pasts. The one who was known as unfaithful becomes trusted. The one who was known as broken is known as whole. Unwanted becomes chosen, adopted, child of God. Failure becomes accepted. This is the promise that we receive from God. God gives us a new name and the Bible is full of promises that we can claim as that name. A couple of years ago, as I was going through this process with some of those things that I held on to from my past, I was crying out to God, I was wrestling with God and I ended up writing out on a whiteboard the promises of God. I am adopted. I am chosen. I am made new. I am not a mistake. These truths that replaced the lies that I had held onto, that I had held, that had defined me, that had captured me for so long, God gave me the promises to replace them. And the Bible is full of all these different things. But there's something about this story that I think is just so beautiful. See, there is a Japanese art form called kintsugi, and that is probably a very poor pronunciation of that term. But the idea of kintsugi is it challenges our preconceptions because so often when we want to repair something, we'll either just throw it out or we want to repair it like it has never been broken. So you can't see that it has been broken. That seems the right thing to do. And yet in Kintsugi, which is this picture up here that's been part of the slides all of today, when a piece of pottery is cracked, it is repaired with gold and precious metals. And the idea behind this is its mistakes, its failures, its brokenness are made whole again, but they are not erased. It is made new, but those things become part of who it is and who it has always been. And the end of this passage in verses 31 and 32 say, The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. See, God redeems our pasts, but God doesn't erase them. He makes us new, he refreshes us, he restores us, but he does not take away what has happened in the past. 
Instead, it remains there, fixed with something more precious than gold, with the blood of Jesus. We are made new, and so we carry these beautiful cracks in us that are repaired. We are made whole, we are made new, but we carry, still carry these reminders of what we once were. But that past doesn't define us anymore. That past doesn't hold us anymore. That doesn't define us anymore. Instead, our past, our failures, our mistakes are redeemed. They are restored. They are made new. And so they become a testimony. They become an opportunity in our lives to say, this is who I was, but this is who God has made me to be. This is what I was, but God has redeemed me, and it gives us a God story to encourage others and to share what he can do in my life. So imagine what he can do in yours. It is a powerful and it is a beautiful thing because we have a God who loves us and wants to redeem us. We have a God who loves us too much to just leave us where we were, and so he wants to help us to be redeemed, to be restored, to be fixed, to be made new. And so we're standing here, New Year's Eve 2023. We are about to step into 2024. A new year, a year of new opportunities, a new of a year of new things. But I wonder, as we stand here, as we are ready to head forward, what is it that is holding you from your past that you need to come to God and say, Hey God, I need help redeeming this. God, I want to bring this to you and I want to work through it. I want to deal with this. I don't want it to hold me anymore. I don't want it to to define me anymore. What is it from your past? What lies are you holding on to that you want to be replaced with truths from God that you need to wrestle with him for?